And this is where we're going on today's uh, conversation is looking at um, the crisis in connection, you know, and the crisis of separation that begins for many of those who end up depressed, suicidal, addicted, begins as an infant. Morning, everyone from Medellin. Um, I want to start today by uh, yeah, mentioning and honoring a man that I uh, worked with must be over a decade now, and uh, Fabrice, Fabrice Ernst, and he was uh, yeah he was in the time he reached out to me. Um, he was working also as a he was working as a sexual healer, a gigolo, with women, and uh, a very sweet man, a very kind man, really dedicated to being a in service. You know, he really wanted to uh, make women happy, please them, help them out, and uh, he's very sweet, very kind. He was also very troubled you know it came with a a, a a big weight on his shoulders and i saw that uh yeah what he was doing was depleting him in a way um we collaborated and he even um he talked to about me to his mom mary lou and uh and then offered to her a time with me so I, I started working with her as well. This is over a decade ago. Uh, his mom and me, we stayed in, in contact sporadically over, over Facebook. And yesterday, she sent me a message that her son, Fabrice, had, a, had committed suicide. And uh, he had been living with her for the last couple of years. And she said he was very depressed and stepped out of life, you know? And uh, I was like, wow. And then I I think back in, in like the last couple of years and I have people that I know or know of, you know, at least five, six stories in like less than two years time, you know? And uh, to the point that I'm thinking, wow, it's just, it's, it's, it's a big thing, you know. That's a lot of people. That's a a crisis. And uh, yeah, yeah, it very much is a crisis amongst boys and men today. Not just boys and men, but that's what we're talking about. Um, very high suicide rates. Mm. The you know drug addiction in a lot of ways is a, is suicide. You know, you, you know the path that you're on. In fact, I was I was watching a podcast uh, late last night uh, in the middle of the night about the phenomenon of, and I don't remember who it was. I, maybe it was Gabor Mate talking about this, but went to the funeral. Yeah, it was. Went to the funeral of, uh, I think it was a client that he was helping. And she was 35, she was a drug addict, 
she'd got off drugs for six months and then she went back and I, I don't know if it was heroin or what it was but um, she made the mistake of going back to the dose that she was drugging herself out six months prior but now she hadn't she didn't have the built-up uh, tolerance and it just killed her and at the funeral were a bunch of her friends that were all on drugs as well um, and you know they and he knew they're going to come to the funeral and they're going to go right back to using you know and he talked one of the points he was making was that addiction's not a choice you know because the, the power that the addiction has over you mm-hmm. but what he asks what he asks and suggests asking is not why the addiction but why the pain you know mm-hmm. and he's talking about the trauma that's underlying wow. The pain. Why the addiction? Why the pain? Yeah, like, what what was the source of the the pain? Yes. And this is where we're going on today's uh, conversation is looking at um, the crisis in connection, you know, and the crisis of separation that begins for many. Okay. For for many of those who end up depressed, suicidal, addicted, um, it begins as an infant. Yes. Before you go there, I would like to say, like if we're looking at, I think it's a brilliant question, why the pain instead of why the addiction? addiction. And, and we had some experiences where there is no, or, or communities, or places in the world where there is no depression, where there is no suicide, and maybe that informs us in a way about what could be one of the sources, reasons of that pain. Right? I mean we'll come back to the okay, we'll say we'll say that first. We were in the we we're in the Maasai Mara with the the Maasai warriors last year and uh with a friend Kamnan and his his twelve children running around and uh I, it was, I, was, I always say I was very surprised in those five days that we were there, none of the children ever uh, cried like you have in the West, like children, wah, wah. you never hear it, never hear it, you know, and uh, it was an, a very profound experience to me, you know, like on the, on the flip side of that, you also see incredible connections there. You know, I, I was joking just before the call that I'm sleeping in, sleeping in a dung hut and when I would wake up, you know. Sleeping in an elephant dung hut. Elephant dung hut, yeah. I would wake up and there's one of the children just standing there, you know, next to the bed and holding my leg, you know, just connected physically, you know. Yeah. And he's just there. The kid is just there, you know. You wake up and there's, there's people. There's always people. There's. I remember when I said... You know? the, the kids are always there. But they're always there. Yeah. I remember I had a bottle of water and I said, where's my bottle of water? <laughs> you know? And, and people were like, like well, I don't know, someone commented, uh, I think a, a Western, but there's no your bottle here. It doesn't exist. You know? yeah. It's just, it's from everyone. Yeah, so, there's no my stuff. There's no my stuff. My space. No. And, uh, so that gives me a little insight of what connection, community, it could be one of the ways to avoid 
you know, and and could be one of the reasons the missing off could be one of the reasons that we in the West have so much depression and suicide and and then this morning you talked about where it all starts, you know, and it was very telling to me what you you said about when children in the West cry. Yeah, so uh, a big one of the it's probably the more popular idea about raising infants. You know, what do you do when an infant when your infant cries? You know, when it cries out in the middle of the night. There are different theories that all basically echo the same thing, and that is that we need to train the child to sleep at night um, and let it cry itself to sleep. You know, and the the infants like I've I'm not an expert on infants. You know, I've never had the infant cry, and it has to be me that's you know needs to go and and uh, care for him. But I do remember being with uh, my niece some years ago, and um, I was visiting her, staying with her, and she had just put her baby. It was her first child, first and only child. She just put her infant uh, baby to sleep and left it in the room. And the baby started crying, you know. And she's like, you know, Uncle Mike, what should I do? You know, I've been, I've been told I should let it cry itself to sleep, you know. But I said, I said, Ashley, you know what to do. You know what to do. It's instinctual. You're the mother. You carried this infant in your womb for nine months. You know what to do, you know? And immediately she went to her baby to pick it up and, and hold it and be with it, you know? And uh, I read a book, and I had read the book previously called The Continuum Concept. I highly recommend it, but, and my buddy O talked about this a lot and he had been like a critical uh, critical care nurse for years and um, he'd spent a lot more time with indigenous people than I had but on my travels I've I've seen it for the first couple years of a of a newborn's life an infant's life it is heart to heart body to body and many times skin to skin with an older usually an older female, you know, but another human. You'll see, uh, you know, there, at the school that I stayed at in Uganda for months, there'd be women out working in the field, you know, hoeing the, the weeds or picking the vegetables. And uh, many of them would have strapped to their back their infant child. And it wasn't viewed as a burden or as a, you know, something to complain about. It was just... Multitasking. It's just what you do. Yeah. And another thing I would often see is a little girl around, say, four to eight years old that has her infant brother or sister in her arms. Yeah. Like she's, and, it's, and she wants to do it. It's not like, hey, you go take care of your, right. you know, your baby brother or sister. No, it's natural. It's natural for the infant and it's natural for like it was, at least the young girl. Like it was natural for that little kid to just stand there next to my bed and just yeah, touch me. You know, yeah. it's just, 
for me that was like strange. Yes. You know. Yes. It's, but it must be natural, because otherwise this kid wouldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's connection, man. Yes. And uh, it's the kind that we don't get on uh, social media. <laughs> it's not that kind of being connected, right. you know, being hyper-connected. But, um, yeah, it starts, and O, o would really pontificate about this, you know, in the Western world, in a Western hospital. Um, you know, the doctor wants to have the, 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 he wants his client, pregnant woman, to give birth on his schedule. So if, if the baby's not coming, you know, it gives her some uh, pills, I forget what they're called, to kind of force the baby out, or gives a C-section. So, and then the C-section happens on, on his timetable. And this is what it's all about with an infant, because mom has to get up and go to work in the morning, and so does dad. So they can't be up all night with the kids, so the kid has to get on the program, man. The infant needs to get trained. It's time for work. It's time for sleep. You know, living in this very unnatural environment, this modern environment, the infant needs training from the moment he leaves the womb. No, before. He's already there. It's like he doesn't want to come out yet. He's now and you're getting on the program already. Right, right. Already, yeah. before you're born. Yeah, you're going to be born on time, you little son of a bitch. <laughs> Jesus. And so... I mean, it's, it's... And let me just say, this goes back, like, you can read in, in the history of uh, Europe about how, uh, in, especially like in the Middle Ages, their view towards infants and children was just diabolical, uh-huh. you know? They, uh, the, and the Catholic Church at the time, to my understanding, viewed any kind of, like, physical connection, affection... Not, not just talking about sex, but just normal human uh-huh. joy and touch and happiness or the body itself as like sinful and and of this world, of this worldly, yes. this evil world. And it goes so far as in many cases, the, ch- the newborn child was not considered a real human until I can't remember if it was right. one month old or one year old. And in that time, you can just like kill it or let it die or toss it out and uh, it wasn't considered a real human and oftentimes they made these children go and live with someone else um, that didn't care for them because it was not good for this parent bond parent child bond that was not that was viewed as a as a as a sinful thing mm-hmm. a bad thing and so like this this goes this goes deep you know this runs deep in our in our psyche. However, thank God our, our, our instincts run far deeper. You know? well, it, well, imagine what, how that must do to the psyche when, when you're just born and you're taught, so you're crying and nobody comes. And so the, the number one lesson you get in life is nobody's coming. No one's coming. No one is coming. No one's coming. No one cares. Yes. You've got to do it yourself. Don't even bother crying out for help. Yes. Just just get used to it. And so while that feeds into the independence and and 
your say self-reliance and creative force and all the good things that come from that you know there's there's, there's beauty that comes from that from from uh, independence from uh, teaching people from uh, 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 trying to or, or or creating the world you want to live in you know there's there's beauty that comes from that but we lost something along the way you know there's a price to pay when you're when you're when you're so stressing the independence and when you give up for that the connection when you give up for that the community well yeah and there doesn't need to be a dichotomy between independence and raising right. a healthy <laughs> a, a healthy baby a healthy child you know and probably the, the the healthiest ones become the most truly independent you know because they're not uh, they're not traumatized mm. you know they they can really freely interact with others with bonding with connection mm. you know with a healthy uh, right. connection so yeah it's uh this is a deep conversation it could go on for hours um, one of the things that uh, O used to talk about, and it's also in the continuum concept, is I believe is um, the idea that there's a even a biological expectation that someone is going to come, someone is going to be there. It's as if, as in the early years of, of childhood, the uh, the infant delegates out the regulation of his of his nervous system because he. he it's something that he can't do for himself yet, you know. So, you know, if he's skin to skin with his mother, the mother knows instantly when something when something's not right, instantly, because she's co-regulating. Mm-hmm. She's right there with him, like nervous, like it's one nervous system. And this is the infant that she's held in her womb for nine months. Mm-hmm. Its entire existence mm-hmm. has been inside the mother. And what we tend to do is we tend to, you know. I mean, you, you see these images or in the movies, whatever, the, the the doctor holding the baby up by one foot and smacking it, you know, so it starts breathing. Welcome like, to the world. You need to breathe on schedule, you little son of a bitch, <laughs> you know. And then the baby starts crying, and, and maybe the mother gets to hold it for a minute, maybe not, and then it's often put in this separate in, in an incubator. My you know? father was, my father. In, in it, in it. It's something designed to be an artificial mother. When the mother is right there wanting to hold her infant. My father was uh, telling me last couple of weeks how he was so pissed off, you know, when I was born that they, they took me away from my mom, you know. And he was so... <laughs> and uh, he says, where is he? <laughs> and he's rushing to, to the place where they keep the babies, you know. And the nurse would even say to him, you know, you won't, you won't even recognize him. You don't know which one is yours. <gasps> wow. You won't know who, which one is yours. Wow. And my father said, <laughs> she opened the door, that one is mine. <laughs> I hope he was right. Because <laughs> he took me. But uh, it is incredible, you know. It is incredible how how we give up that connection, how we give up that natural bond, how we give up that natural bond. We break it. We, we break that natural bond. We don't explore and, and thrive in that, that natural connection. And then we also don't have community because it continues, you know. We're, we're taught to be independent. 
we're taught to be individualistic you know we we don't connect with our family with our schoolmates we we don't really have that we we give up connection and community and there's an incredible price to pay you know well, for I'll just say again like I don't think the independence is is the problem but it's the it's it's the trauma of the lack of the bonds mm. and the the lack of community the lack of you know it's it's the missing of all right, that right um but I, I i know what you mean i just want to i want to make the point because i don't want to uh, have people who are watching think this is something that's contra against independence right no it's not but i, I think great independence is born of great and healthy community and connection. Yes. I mean, the strongest, healthiest person out there feels like they have their whole community behind them. Mm. You know, they feel like I'm here on behalf of my people. You know, that's the, that's the most powerful way to go out into the world, to start something new, to, mm. to make your stand, to, to stand out, is to be there on behalf of your people. You know, for for men who feel they don't have a sense of purpose or they lack confidence or they they uh, lack motivation or discipline or all these things you know oftentimes what they're lacking is their people behind them you know like really feeling like I'm here on behalf of my people that's the most I believe that's the most powerful way to come right. to come at being a man in the world amazing so what we're trying to do, what we're doing is, uh, well, I know for one, I, I'm, I'm reclaiming the pivotal part that our connection, our relationships play in our life. You know, it's, it's a scientific fact now after a 75-year-old Harvard study that the number one predictor of your happiness and health is quality relationships. Nothing else matters. Not, nothing else comes even close to the importance of your quality relationship, the relationship to self, the relationship to your family, to your friends, the connections you have with your lovers, the, 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 the communities you belong to, the, the tribes, even the sense of connection you got with humanity. You know? When that is strong, you will be happier, you will be healthier, you live longer. And so... Yeah, it's 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 so obvious, and it's such a a tragedy. It's such a crisis, you know. That uh, yeah, I want to play my part in in restoring that, in in creating tribes and connection and community and focusing on it, you know, and 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 be there for my people. Yeah, and so to bring this full circle, you know, you mentioned your friend that had committed suicide. Um, Addiction, depression, suicide, this is all tied to the, the, um, the separation that so many of us are facing. And, um, and men often don't feel like they have a, a way out. Mm. You know, suicide is a way out. They don't feel like they have a way back to their people, back to connection. Or maybe don't even know what's missing, not how to go about it. And this is why we need elders. Mm -hmm. We need men who are going to stand up, take on the the challenge, mm -hmm. the responsibility, the you could even say the burden of that, but the joy of that. You know, it's a profound honor and joy to get to play that role for someone, and it can be a burden as well. Um, 
in future episodes, we'll talk about uh, staying, being the one who, you know, an elder being the one who stays, or it's, it's a way to be an elder, being mm-hmm. the one who stays. We'll also talk about uh, going back for a brother. Um, and uh, yes, how to be an elder. The people in your life, they need you. They need you to step up and uh, reclaim your people, reclaim elderhood, reclaim honor, reclaim brotherhood. And uh, deep in your heart, in your soul, you need it as well. Yes. And if 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 right now you're in a space where you feel you got no one to talk to, I want to, you know, extend an invitation. You can always reach out to. Uh, at least me or to us. Yes, and soon we'll be starting a uh, Facebook group for men who are ready to claim next level leadership, next level responsibility in their life. Take on, yeah, take something on big that's on behalf of their people. So stay tuned. See you tomorrow.